You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Howdy, Howlets and Hawkbills howling for Hawthorne Berries. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is 223, and of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your shrew crew of two times two, accruing a slew of clues about doo-doo for you. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. We're, uh, we're going to start the show today with some shout outs and some quiz questions from our purple Patreon pledges. And uh, first off, a big thank you to Dan H. from Waterford, Connecticut. Oh, hey. Waterford, mm. Connecticut. Like the crystal? Oh, uh, the crystal Waterford is in, I believe, Ireland. That oh. was a learnedly question from last last week. But Dan H. is from Waterford, Connecticut. Um, mm. He doesn't have any trivia for us. But <laughs> I noticed that he's been a Patreon supporter for the last 70 months. Whoa. Wow. Oh, gosh. Seven zero months. Um, wow. Well, he forgot. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. That's longer than some of us have had children. <laughs> um, and then next we have Bamboo Jungles from Farmingdale, New York. And uh, Bamboo Jungles has uh, uh, two questions for us. Bamboo Jungles here wrote a note and it says, I'd like to know how well you guys do pub quizzes and if you still do them. You're the smartest group I know and wanted to know if you dominate in pub trivia quizzes. Mm. Also, what is your pub trivia group name? Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so I glad know. you asked. Well, yeah. it's on Wikipedia. We have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> the stupid thing we wrote down when Karen and I wandered into a pub one day and played trivia. And we're like, what's our team name? Oh, baby dog time. Oh, yeah, baby dog time, of course. It's on Wikipedia. Baby dog time. Mm -hmm. BDT. Yep. If you have a dog, I'm sure you've done this, where you hold them like a baby and you rock them. And that's that's what we, that's what is referred to as baby dog time. And if you haven't, definitely try it. Yes, please. Yeah. They love it. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so, never. <laughs> so do we dominate? I wouldn't say we dominate, but we perform. We acquit ourselves very well. Sometimes we do, we do dominate and it feels embarrassing and terrible yeah. like yeah. where it's like oh man these people have never played trivia before and we're playing again yeah we have a podcast about trivia we shouldn't be playing right now when we shifted um, when we shifted from elephant and castle to the street food park that's when it became a little because elephant and castle it had this it had many many teams that were very serious about it and uh we were all in deep competition with each other and then we went to the street food park and it was pretty much like us like super super serious about it and everybody else like oh i guess <laughs> yeah. we'll play some trivia oh, here at the, um... we should do trivia yeah we just wanted some dinner from the food trucks today yeah we'll we didn't know we were trivia. gonna be spanked by these jerks <laughs> <laughs> we're real into trivia <laughs> they used to call us like what manchester united yeah pub trivia <laughs> like um... the evil bully soccer team <laughs> but towards but towards the end of it there were like good job brain fans who like played at uh at street food park too right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. those people tended to be really good yeah, yeah we had oh, yeah. the doctors from canada mm -hmm. um, yes, we had right. um simba the dog and simba's dog parents played with us with with kids and then with covid uh we haven't 
been together to play in-person pub trivia. It's been a, a long mm-hmm. time. And virtual Zoom trivia is not it. No. It's not it, guys. <laughs> no, it's not the same. I will say the one area that we did dominate was in uh, harvesting drink coupons at the oh, outdoor. Because yeah. <laughs> first, first prize was... Uh, if I remember correctly, it was a credit for two pitchers of beer. Two pitchers of I'm beer. I'm the only yeah. one of the four of us who regularly drinks beer. And <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm only pitchers. one man. I just, <laughs> I cannot on a, on a Thursday night consume two pitchers of beer. Yeah. So we have a stack. We have a stack. I'm not exaggerating about an inch thick of the little uh, uh, (laughs) credit card, uh, coupon cards, yeah. What a long time ago, guys. It was, right? Yeah. We were Uh, so young, so fresh before we had children. (laughs) So free of responsibilities. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, so Bamboo Jungles has a second question. This is a quiz question. Buzz in if you know the answer, guys. You have your barnyard buzzers. Here we go. This food creation was a result of a microbiologist trying to discover a way of feeding cows by freezing cow feed with liquid nitrogen. Oh my gosh. This Once again, I'll read it okay. again. Okay, okay. This food creation was a result of a microbiologist trying to discover a way of feeding cows by freezing cow feed with <laughs> liquid nitrogen. Hmm. Uh, the rooster Chris Dippin' Dots. Yes! Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. All right. I was thinking maybe Makes astronaut sense. ice cream, but I ruled that out. But yeah, okay. That's, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. yeah. So the, the whole yeah. idea is transporting and uh, making this whole process more efficient of storing and uh, distributing cow feed or farm feed, not just limited to cows. Turns out it was a cool idea to, to use it on, on ice cream. Uh, Dippin' <laughs> Do Dots. Do cows eat ice cream? No, no, no. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> <idea. laughs> well, Dippin' Dots, sadly, uh, they filed for, I think, Chapter 11 in 2011, so not oh. that long ago. Um, however, after this bankruptcy, they started a subsidiary company called Dippin' Dot Cryogenics. And instead of focusing on <laughs> no. ice cream. Oh, no, what? It, it, it focuses on on the, the science and equipment of freezing. People, not people, just okay. things in general. Not yet, Lena. Not yet. They're working up to it. Right. Yeah. Right. Like when you get uh, you you get sick when you're old and you're like, I'm gonna head down to different nuts. I believe the science of freezing people is cryonics. And oh, cryogenics, good. I believe, is just the the field of freezing very 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 stuff. cold stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that in my will i like to be dipping dots please. yeah so dipping dot the, the cryogenics subsidiary for for the freezer tech uh, was established in 2019 and was in the news pretty recently because it helped with covid vaccination storage oh the, right yeah the freezers developed uh, by the subsidiary company it requires super 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 cold storage right dipping dots mm-hmm. cannot be stored in your normal freezer it has to right. uh, it's a little bit colder than your normal freezer for the for the the dots to retain their dots form and so they really focused on freezer technology that is like super freeze um, so a lot of medical facilities, uh, providing a lot of medical services and equipment. So yeah, mm. so oh, smart pivot for them to uh-huh. use the technology for that. It's funny that they kept the dip and dots. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking the yeah. same thing. Yeah, yes. yeah. 
all right. Well, I got more questions here. Let's jump into our, our general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. Here I have uh, our regular random trivial pursuit card. You guys have your barnyard buzzers still. Let's answer some questions. Colin is actually calling in from uh, Seattle, and I'm very proud of him for bringing his buzzer with him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You have no idea. I like scr- I was packing the stuff up, and then it was literally the last thing. I was like, oh, the barnyard buzzer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I appreciate it. Here we go. Let's answer some questions. Blue Wedge for geography. Which of the following cities is the furthest north? Boston, Amsterdam, or Vancouver? Oh, man. Man, one is three chances. I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, That was Colin. I'll say Amsterdam. Correct. It is Amsterdam. Hmm. Well, well, well. Pink Wedge for pop culture. Which subject of Tina Fey's Pitch Perfect Impressions struck back by spoofing 30 Rock in 2015? (laughs) That is... Dana. Is it Sarah Palin? It's Sarah Palin. Oh, right. Of course. Uh, Yellow Edge. Which 20th century U.S. president wrote a novel titled The Hornet's Nest? Oh. Oh. I wonder. uh, The Girl Who Kicked. Yeah, it would help to know what year this card is from. We could at least rule some people. Oh, 2016. Oh, okay. All right. 20th century so president. Okay. Who wrote a wrote novel. a novel called I don't know. The Hornet's yeah. Nest. All right. I, this I is not know. the horniest nest. Hornet's yeah. Nest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different Horniest book. nest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Data. I feel like this is just a shot in the dark. Is it Ford? Gerald no. Ford? Oh, okay. No. Uh, Somebody Clinton Clinton just co-wrote or had a ghostwriter maybe of a novel yeah. I think but that that's not uh, it I think doesn't so, seem like yeah. it's an autobiography or a, no or like, a, like a fiction no. like a novel yeah no 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 Colin uh, just because I know he wrote one other bestseller I'll guess uh, John F Kennedy incorrect Chris okay. one last guess twentieth century president Hornets uh, guest Jimmy Carter correct it is Jimmy Carter ah! wow Renaissance okay. man yeah Dana was huh. close. Purple Wedge, for which piece of furniture are designers Charles and Ray Eames best known? Uh, That is Dana. (laughs) (laughs) Establishing (laughs) eye connection. Yes. (laughs) Dana, yes. Uh, The Eames chair. Yes, chair. The iconic Eames chairs produced by Herman Miller. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fetch a pretty price. Uh, Green Wedge for science. Which global celebration takes place each year on April 22nd? Colin. Is that Earth Day? It is Earth Day. Oh, okay, okay. All right, last question. Orange Wedge, Sports and Leisure. Since the 1980s, Games Workshop has been getting kids of all ages to paint and battle miniature soldiers in what grim sci-fi game? (laughs) Chris. Oh, and so, oh, what sci-fi game? Is it, is it Warhammer or no? Warhammer what? Oh, gosh. Uh-oh. Karen knows. Oh, it's got something, 40K, something AB, what it, right? Yeah, what is yeah, it? Yeah, uh, what is it? It's uh, Warhammer oh, 40K. 40K, Warhammer, all right. 40K. You have to say 40K or you don't get the credit for that? The card says, and at $5 and up for a single miniature, kids also learn about capitalism. 
I don't need your commentary <laughs> <Whatever>. card. <laughs> yeah, how much yeah. does the Trivial Pursuit set cost? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that knowledge-free Trivial Pursuit? I don't know. All right, good job, brains. This week's topic, I believe it's a suggestion from, from Dana. We're taking a look at things that are elemental, a broad topic. We, we, so we usually don't know what each other is doing for the episode. Like we kind of have a very vague idea, but we really don't know. For, for this show, it could be periodic table of elements. It could be like classic elements like water, fire, earth. Could be elementary school. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious to see what you guys are doing because um, what I prepared is very, very weird. All right. Um, oh, really? I think yeah. I might top you, but we'll Ooh. see. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. All right. So this week, we're braving the elements. I'll start us off here. I've got a grab bag quiz for you all called It's Elemental. And... This is a quiz about uh, famous people, things, concepts, uh, what have you. And the answer to every question will Ooh. include the name of an element. Okay. Ooh. Element as in like a, a chemical. An element. Yes. An element okay. from our periodic table of okay. the elements. Okay. Uh, this will be a somewhat lightning round here. Once you guys get your Ooh, barnyard okay. buzzers ready. We will try to proceed more or less from easy to not so easy. Here we go. This legendary entertainer was born. I knew it. <laughs> Farouk Bilsara, but came to worldwide fame under what other name? I see smiles in everyone's face, but I heard Dana first. Dana, who what? am I looking for? <laughs> Freddie Mercury. That is Freddie Mercury. And the element, of course, being Mercury. Freddie. Uh, yeah, Freddium. <laughs> Freddium. <laughs> Look, I mean, if there, were, if there were some Queen fan who discovered an element, I could see them uh, naming it Freddium. Yeah, you know, I, I did not know this until looking this up. Uh, of course, we all know who Freddie Mercury is, I hope. He he did legally change his last name to Mercury. I mean, it started as a stage name uh, and a great one at that, but he actually legally became uh, last name Mercury. All right, moving right along. This fictional substance from a superhero comic has become synonymous with the term Achilles heel. Chris. Kryptonite. That is Kryptonite from the Superman comic uh, mythos world. Uh, the element. Wait, that's of real? Crypt well, Krypton is an element. Yes. Mm -hmm. No! Yeah, yeah, it is. That's right. It is. <laughs> I found out something interesting about Kryptonite is that it uh, didn't actually appear in the pages of the comic. The first appearance of oh. it sort of in the public was in the Superman radio show. Huh. Uh, in the, the serialized radio show uh, in 1943. Uh, although uh, Jerry Siegel, the creator of Superman, I guess he had come up with sort of the idea uh, before that. But yeah, it, it, it debuted, if you will, on the radio show in 1943. It didn't appear in the comics until 1949. So Whoa. yeah, I mean, it's been there for a while. But yeah, there was a good gap there before they actually finally rolled it back into the uh, to the base comic. That's a good trivia question. And I'm sure all the comic nerds in the 1940s were extremely insufferable about it if you tried to suggest that. Uh, you know. yeah. It's non-canonical. It's not, yeah, this is not canon, you guys. <laughs> like. 
Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was famously known by what stern nickname? Uh, Karen. The Iron Lady starring Meryl Streep. That is the Iron Lady with or without Meryl Streep. That's right. That's right. If someone is obsessed with paranoid plots or conspiracy theories, you might suggest they wear this type of headgear. Laughter. Dana, what do we got? A tinfoil hat. That is right. A tinfoil hat. I have uh, a picture of myself when I'm a very young kid wearing a tinfoil uh, hat. Why? Not because I was, you know, into conspiracy theories Locking or anything. Locking the rays. Had like a little like Viking style on it. Uh, but it did, in fact, keep the government out of my head, just as a side benefit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It worked. <laughs> yeah. In 2009, Billboard magazine named this band the top group of the decade. They had seven number one songs. Oh my gosh. They also named their signature song the top rock song of the decade. This is one of the highest grossing Canadian acts of all time. Oh. Dana. Is this Nickelback? It is Nickelback. (gasps) It is Nickelback. Uh. You know, look, they 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 it's certainly like are are uh, easy to hate on if out in the internet at large. But I if you look so. at their stats, man, I mean, those guys sold a buttload of records. I was really impressed looking at this article by looking back on the decade. I mean, like the, the artists ahead of them, you know, like Alicia Keys and Eminem. I mean, like just you know, really, really, wow. really, yeah, yeah, truly, truly, one of the most successful bands of of all time. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I only got it because you said Canadian, and I was like, <laughs> that came up a lot about that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll come down uh, south of the Canadian border here. This American blues musician who rose to prominence in the 1930s often billed himself as the king of the 12 string guitar. Okay. American king of the 12 string guitar. Oh, 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 oh. Karen. I know the element. Okay. Oh, what's the element? I think the element is lead. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, oh, okay. Is it like wolf or or belly there, or something? Are we talking about lead belly? Yes. We are talking about lead belly. Yeah. Oh, and wolf. I'll hold off there. Let you guys jointly construct that one. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Lead belly. Lead belly. Uh, born Huddy William Ledbetter. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. And now it seems. You know, like, oh, lead better, lead belly. But there are, in fact, a good half dozen uh, proposed explanations for how he came <laughs> upon the name mm-hmm. lead belly, um, ranging from, indeed, his last name to yeah. uh, being shot, shot in the belly in, once. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm, shot. Yeah. To, um, you know, sort of lazing around when he was on the chain gang in one of his uh, numerous stints in prison. Led Belly led a pretty interesting life. I encourage you to go read up on this man. He uh, he was definitely a uh, an American success story. Oprah Winfrey was among the group of powerful TV executives who co-founded what cable network? Launched in the year two thousand. Oh, yes. uh, Chris, <laughs> oxygen, <laughs> oxygen. That is the oxygen oh, network. That's yeah. right. Oxygen, oxygen Media created the Oxygen Network. What's the pitch? 
So originally they they were sort of a mix of reruns and original programming, like a lot of the cable networks are when they kind of get started. Um, You know, it's sort of had a sort of health, wellness, kind of Mm -hmm. maybe skewing a little bit more toward a uh, female audience. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, moving right along. Jennifer Lawrence became the second youngest winner, the Academy Award for Best Actress, for her performance in what 2012 film? Dana. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook. That is correct. The Silver Linings Mm, Playbook. That's right. right. The David O. Russell movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like Winter's Winter's Bone. Bone. No, that's not it. Do you know who is the youngest winner of the Academy Award for Best Actress uh, ahead of or behind, I suppose, uh, Jennifer Lawrence? Oh, geez. Anna Paquin? It's Quavonzene Wallace. Winner of Best Actress or winner best of Best Lead Actress. Best, best Lead, lead actress. actress. The youngest. Ooh, that youngest. is, uh, she's from Kate Male O'Neal. Writer. No, no, that was also supporting. Yeah, you're right. She was the youngest uh, at nine years old. It is Marley Matlin in oh, really? Children of a Lesser God. Yes, oh, youngest okay. lead oh, no. actress. When she yeah, was, when she was like 18, was she? Or, right? Oh, I, like 21, 22. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah. We're all thinking okay, okay. kids. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So she's yeah. old to me and age. All of the all of the the kid <laughs> yeah. awards. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like yeah, Tatum yeah. O'Neill and and so on. Yeah, those were yeah. supporting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Couple more here. Here we go. The fictional tech companies Hooli and Pied Piper are featured in what hit cable TV show? Mm, everybody on the buzzer there. Dana. Silicon, oh. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, I know you knew it. I know you knew it. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Last one here. Last one. The scientific name for this venomous North American snake is Agkistrodon contortrix, but it is commonly known oh, as gosh. what? <laughs> Chris. Keep thinking you're done. Copperhead. Uh, it copperhead. is the copperhead. The copperhead yeah. snake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, specifically the eastern copperhead. Yeah. Uh, apparently there are several uh, snake species around the world that, that can be kind of colloquially called copperheads. But yeah, the one in North America, the eastern copperhead. And they are, in fact, coppery colored, kind of reddish, Yeah, do brownish. they actually have yeah. copperheads? Yeah, yeah. They, they do have very, very good uh, camouflage. Uh, and if they're, mm. you know, laying in the leaves or, you know, on some dirt or something, you got to be careful. I read, I read that that uh, unlike other, uh, some other anyway, venomous snakes, their their response to feeling threatened is not necessarily to flee or to make motion, but they freeze. And that's kind of one <laughs> it makes reason. makes it worse. Yeah, that's kind of one yeah. reason that they think it might contribute to a number of bites. Because like, you know, you walk along the path, the snake freezes, you don't see it, you keep on walking, and next thing you know, you're up in its business. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, getting bit. Have you guys ever gotten bit by a snake before? No. no, have you? Either. No, no, no. no, no. Okay. I'm just curious. Uh, no. I, didn't know I would talk a... about it all the time if that. I happens. don't feel like I you even see snakes. I here. saw a rattlesnake one <gasps> time on one of my trips to Utah a few years ago, and it was. I it it really was. Like my heart just kind of stopped. Oh, my, I was, I don't ever remember being that just instinctively, viscerally scared Mm, (laughs) out in the wild. Uh, uh, Yeah, I was, I was walking along the path and it was, we were doing something maybe a little silly, which is, you know, we were hiking at dusk and like out in the desert, you know, you got to be careful because that's when some of those animals do their hunting. And about, I want to say maybe just 10 feet in front of me on the path, I hear the, and I saw it 
kind of slither and I saw him right on the path. And I just said to my hiking buddy, I'm like, stop, don't move. Let's just back up a little bit. There's a snake on the path. And he saw us and slithered on. And then we just sort of stood there for a couple of minutes just to make sure he had enough room to come back. Yeah. Vacate the area. Yeah. Yeah. Bring bring some friends back. (laughs) All right. Well, good job, guys. We got everything there from let's let's recap. Let's recap. We got Mercury Mm -hmm. and Freddie Mercury, Krypton and Kryptonite. We got iron in the Iron Lady. We got the tin in the tinfoil hat. Nickel in the Nickelback. We got uh, lead in Lead Belly. We got oxygen in the Oxygen Network. Silver in Silver Linings Playbook. Silicon in Silicon Valley. And copper in the Copperhead Snake. Hmm. Colin, what uh, you know? What what also comes up a lot in trivia? I mean, we we get a lot of trivia questions about periodic table of elements, and certainly one of the things that comes up a lot is the abbreviations. Um, mm, or so you know, many standardized yeah. abbreviations. Yeah, everyone has one. Um, and now some of these are um, for English speakers like us. It's like, well, hydrogen is H, oxygen is O, neon is NE. So, I mean, some of this stuff is a little easy to memorize. Um, but there's 11 elements on the periodic table whose abbreviations are mm. not derived from their English language names. And so there's a little bit of a, um, yeah, let's kind of run these down. I'll share a couple of mnemonics, things like that to help you maybe, maybe get it to, to, to stick in your head. What some of these mm. mismatched or seemingly mismatched element names and their official abbreviations uh, are. And maybe you'll remember some of them next time, uh, you know, next time points are on the line. Next time, two pitchers of beer are on the line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so basically, so the, so the elements just quickly are uh, sodium is N-A, uh, which we know mm-hmm. from our episode about salt. Uh, potassium is K. Yeah. Iron is F-E. Copper is C-U. Uh, silver is A-G. Tin is S-N. Antimony is S-B. Tungsten is W. Gold is oh. A-U. Mercury is HG and lead is PB. What do all these elements kind of have in common? Maybe we want to sort of old. They've been known for a long time. Exactly. They've been around for a while. They're not like conceptual elements. You know what I mean? Like they're not, there's something you could pull out of the ground and hold in your hand. You don't need like a Hadron Collider or something to make it. Right, exactly. Right, right. Or you can find them in nature or you can make them using very old ancient processes that were known for a long time, Um, which means that a lot of these elements just have old names that have stuck around. But that's not the case for all of these, interestingly enough. Uh, So there are many of these that are simply from Latin. So iron is F-E because in, in Latin it's ferrum. Um, and we started, you know, I mean, you've probably heard we talk about like, you know, things being ferromagnetic or attracted mm-hmm. to iron, things like that. You know, tin was stanum, which is why it's S-N. Stanum. Stanum. Yeah. <laughs> Copper uh, is cuprum in Latin, mm. which originally okay. referred to the island of Cyprus. So the island of Cyprus has tons of copper. And that's literally what copper means. It's like Mm. the metal that we found on Cyprus. Like that's Mm. all it means. Yeah. Gold is aurum. A-U-R-U-M. And and of course the the Spanish oro for gold, you know, kind of comes from this. And that's where we get like El Dorado, you know, the, 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 the city of gold. Also where we get the extremely made up word Dorito. Which is like <laughs> the little golden one, like that's what it's supposed to be. That's really good. Right, yep. right. And the James um, Bond villain Goldfinger, whose first name was Auric. Auric. That's right. Oh wow! 
Uh, lead is plumbum. Now, that's very easy to remember if you think about plumber or plumbing. Mm. Yeah. Because the pipes in your house used to be lead, it used to be lead pipes, and so it was the person who Fun worked times. with the lead. Silver is Argentum. Argentina mm-hmm. is it was a silver-rich country, and it's the only country named after an element. Now, mercury is HG. Silver is AG, mercury is HG. And that is because the HG is an abbreviation of hydrargyrum, hydro... Argyrum or water mm. silver. Mm. Oh. But that's what the HG is. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. 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 Yep. Now, some of these are just what the element is called in other languages because, you know, like sodium is natrium. Like in, in many modern languages, they call mm. sodium natrium. Mm. Tungsten is often called wolfram in other mm. languages. Mm-hmm. I wish I could find a really good story. Wolfram is German, but uh, I, I, like etymologists are like split on where wolfram came from uh the wolf could be a wolf but maybe not like it might be a wolf or it might be something else yeah the rom could be cream or soot or foam it might just have something to do with like the process of like refining tungsten could even be wolf raven people are like oh it's wolf raven like Mm. you know nordic uh, yeah uh, it's really strong creatures yeah 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 i have a better story though about antimony Mm. antimony (laughs) is SB. SB is short for stibium. Okay? Mm. So I, I so I go in, I go start looking this up. Stibium comes from the ancient Greek word stibi. Okay? What's that mean? <laughs> it comes from the ancient Greek stibby word stibi, meaning antimony. <laughs> antimony is a metalloid. It's a really shiny rock looking thing. Okay. Okay, well, all right. So it comes from stibi. Well, where did the Greeks get the word stibi? What does that come from? Eventually... Minutes of agonizing Wikipedia research. I find a source <laughs> saying that stibi came from the ancient Egyptian word sedum. And sedum is spelled a cow's ear, an owl, and an eyeball. Okay. Because it's written in hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Naturally. <laughs> yes. Right. And sedum <laughs> means to put on eye makeup. And and antimony was a major ingredient in the ancient (gasps) eye makeup that you see on the ancient Egyptian, you know, women and men in the, you know, with the sort of pointy, yeah. Yeah, the kind of the under the eye makeup, which is still used today, I mean, in some cultures. So the one that I always found kind of funny, though, was that uh, potassium was K. Mm. Um, Let's talk about why that is. So I want everybody, quick experiment, everybody just run outside, go get some pieces of hardwood, okay? So just like go grab some oak or some hickory or something like that. Okay, got it? Got it. Good. Uh Got it. Okay, excellent. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to burn that wood until we're just left with a big pile of ash, okay? So just go ahead and do that. I'll give you some time. Okay. 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 So now you have a big pile of ash. Let's put it into a big clay pot. Just whatever clay pot you have lying around is fine. Okay. Um, Put it all in there and then fill the rest up with water, Okay. And let's just let that stand for an hour. So if you want to pause the podcast, let it stand, come back. Um, okay, I assume you're back now. Uh, go ahead and siphon off the, the, the solid should have floated to the bottom of your clay pot at this point. Uh, go ahead and just siphon off the water, leaving all the solids on the bottom. Okay, uh, now, now boil that water until it has totally evaporated. And now look back in the pot and you will see on the bottom of the pot a fine, pure, white, ashy substance. You have... Hot ash. Hot oh. ash. Hot ash. Hot ashes. No. Leach oh. wood ash into the water 
and then take the water and then burn it and you get potash and potash is potassium chloride which is a which is an ancient known for a long time fantastic soil fertilizer uh has many other uses the word potassium comes from no. pot yes potassium oh it's right potash. in front of potassium. the whole time yep potassium. so what's k k <laughs> k stands for kalium 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 it's kalium it was an alternate word for potassium. The words potassium and kalium were both kind of invented at the same time, early 19th huh. century. Somebody uh-huh. was like, I'll call it potassium for potash. I was like, no, I'll call it kalium. Why? Well, it comes from alkali <laughs> because potassium chloride is an alkaline substance. Mm. And uh, uh, guess what alkali means? <laughs> what the etymology of that is? It's from the Arabic. Al-kali, which means the plant ashes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Also, wow. legally, don't make potash at home unless you're really sure of what you're doing. Please put yeah. down the, the hardwood. People do make their own potash, but like, you know, please, please be careful. Or so just it's potash in both the K it version is. and, and the yes, potassium because version. It's, yes, wow. because they called it That's kalium wild. for alkali. How about that? I thought when you said, okay, and then boil all the water so it goes away and look yeah. in the pot, I thought you were going to be like, you see the letter K there? That's a good trick, Damon Blaine. Oh, my God. And is this your card? I just always, always, always just figured it's just one of those old-timey words and never bothered yeah. to actually look into it literally yep. ash in the pot. Pot yep. ash. Pot, means ash in the pot. pot that is left wow. in the, the ash that is left in the pot. Yep. Man, how did they come uh, up with that? Huh. You know, <laughs> just like, just, just a lot of time what? on their hands. Just you a know lot what? of time. They don't have Disney Trial and watch. error. There's just a lot of yeah. nothing to do. Why are your tomatoes so big? I just put this random wood water <laughs> yeah. on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles, smart trivia, Good Job Brain. And we're back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week, we're talking about elements, whatever, whatever that means to us. Here we go, guys. This is it's my turn. And I'm going to be telling you a story with a little quiz at the end. This is a story about how Bruce Springsteen, the boss, 
is connected to some very uh, familiar elements that a lot of us uh, 90s kids grew up with. Okay. Hmm. Yes. Very intriguing. Very mysterious. Can't okay. wait to share. It's right, a good okay. clickbait so, uh, headline, Karen. 90s kids won't believe how Bruce Springsteen is connected to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Bruce Springsteen, American rocker, singer, songwriter, the emblem of the American working class in rock history. Uh, the pride of New Jersey, as I learned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he from first of his name? <laughs> you know, a very honest disclaimer. So I'm not very familiar with Bruce Springsteen music or or any music from that 70s, 80s hole. But you know, I growing up, I I knew who he was. He was like the bandana and the the jeans, yeah. uh, born in the USA. Um, so Bruce Springsteen and the and the E Street Band, uh, like many other bands struggled initially they put out two albums that the critics loved uh but the sales were were pretty slow so they toured uh while toiling away on their third album which eventually became born to run their spoiler alert it's like big big success <laughs> it's it shot them to become a household name during that struggle period before born to run or working on born to run you know the band toured they played gigs and they noticed this woman in the crowd who was almost at every single show mm-hmm. um, for a whole year. And okay. they noticed this lady who enjoying their music, having fun, but also snapping away on her camera. Um, she was taking a lot of photos of the band, of the crowd, of the shows. Her name is Barbara Pyle. And this is, this is her, her recount of, of her going to Bruce Springsteen shows. She says, I first saw Bruce and the E Street Band by accident. I was blown away by their music. For the next year, I drove to as many of their gigs as I could reach. They jokingly started calling me their official, unofficial photographer. I knew I was witnessing history in the making. Barbara said she felt like she was supposed to be on this mission to document this unknown band from New Jersey. And eventually she went from unofficial photographer to like official photographer. Uh, Bruce and the band started asking her to be at shows, Hmm. uh, at some of the events. And so she was there to document. But more importantly, she was the only person who's ever been given access inside the recording studio Hmm. with the band. Hmm. And so while they're making what became Born to Run, she was there snapping pictures. And so she basically photographed their journey from nobodies to Hmm. massive stardom and and actually back in 2015 not that long ago she published she finally published a book of these rare photos that she had of bruce springsteen Hmm. Hmm. so who is this barbara Pyle? she definitely was a renaissance woman and and even though she she has multiple claims to fame she probably was mostly known for two things her photojournalism career um and for something else which i will tell you in 1980, she got a gig for photographing America's Cup, which is the sailing, the race, mm, the big mm-hmm. race tournament. The yachting, yeah. And she met media mogul Ted Turner, <laughs> uh, who founded CNN, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then and then Turner Broadcasting, you know, and TBS. Ted Turner, I learned, used to be a really accomplished skipper, yeah, or, you know, sailor. So Ted Turner was at America's Cup competing, and Ted Turner met Barbara Pyle while she was taking pictures of the event. 
and they both were really really passionate about like environmental issues and media and he eventually just hired her to become the vp of tbs uh, heading environmental Whoa. policy and social responsibility <laughs> so in 1989 drum roll please barbara pyle and ted turner came up with an idea that turned into these elements I'm about to play uh, <laughs> that may sound very, very familiar. Captain Planet, he's our hero, gonna take pollution down. That's right. Uh, Barbara Pyle and Ted Turner co-created Captain Planet, Captain Planet <laughs> and the Planeteers. You know, they turned their sights from the adult audience at CNN and, and into a younger audience. They had the idea to create this cartoon featuring, of course, Captain Planet, who only gets summoned. You know, he's not he's not really the heart of the show, but he only gets summoned like at the end of the episode. But <laughs> but the five main kid characters, you know, combine their powers as Earth, Fire, wind water and then heart the kids the main characters were all inspired by real people that barbara pyle knew and met oh. you know while she was she used to work on documentaries and captain planet big big success went into syndication um i actually watched karen, the dubbed version karen i have to ask is captain planet based on bruce springsteen <laughs> no but you know what it it might kind of looks I, a little bit like whispering state now that i'm thinking about it yeah I know, the mullet <laughs> those buns man oh the tight jeans <laughs> yeah <laughs> captain planet went into syndication dubbed in different languages including mandarin which is the version i watched um spawned a foundation merch was made and under barbara pyle's request that the merch was made sustainably which is, uh, you know, this okay. is like yeah, on brand. early 90s. Yeah, yeah, very on brand. So I learned from a profile uh, in The New Yorker that in 2005, another car crashed into Barbara Pyle and caused her brain injury that affected her memory function. So here I quote hmm. New Yorker. For a time, Pyle forgot the details of how to walk and talk. She forgot that she'd made Captain Planet forgot that she had joined Bruce Springsteen as a photographer during his band's Born to Run tour. Mm. But then on June 20th, 2020, hmm. which hmm. is last year, yeah. she woke up from her memory fog. Really? Wow. Holy right? Out of the blue. She was out somewhere and just the memory started to fill in. Oh my God, man. The brain <laughs> Isn't that is- that wild? That is, that yeah. is truly wild. That, that must be so disorienting. I mean, you must be really happy, but at the same time, like all these memories come flooding back, you know? that's Yeah, and it wasn't like she didn't know who she was. She just didn't yeah. know parts of her life that people would ask her hmm. about. So she is quite the remarkable person. She's worked with the UN, a lot of philanthropy, invested in social issues, reproductive health. Uh, yeah, so from Bruce Springsteen to Captain Planet. So- so as I said before, what I didn't know as a kid, uh, for good reason, because I grew up with the Mandarin version, the dubbed version of Captain Planet, is that in the first season, there were some major stars who voiced the villains on the show. The big bads <laughs> were all voiced by like real stars. Here to end the segment, I have a quiz about the villains on Captain Planet. <laughs> okay. Get your uh -huh. barnyard buzzers right. ready. Wow. So... 
the, the names are so funny. Okay. Verminous scum. And that's with a K, scum. Verminous scum is a human-rat hybrid born out of a toxic environment. The actor who voiced him also famously played a human-animal hybrid in a David Cronenberg film. Oh. Uh, Colin. That must be Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Oh, the fly. <laughs> the fly. And also verminous scum. Huh. <laughs> okay, second question. So Gaia is famously the yeah. female spirit of Earth, the mentor uh-huh. to the planeteers, and she is voiced by this EGOT actress who you might know as Sister Mary Clarence. <laughs> Dana. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Wow. That's just her voice. Mm. Yeah. I knew that. I knew that one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Was she doing Captain Planet then at the same time that she was on uh, Star Trek Next Generation? Maybe. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She was Guinan on Star Trek and Gaia. Gaia Guinan. So next villain, we have Zarm. (laughs) Z-A-R-M. Zarm. (laughs) Um, Zarm is actually like the antithesis of Gaia. He's, he's kind of like a, like a God spirit. Um, and he's a spirit of war and destruction and is voiced by this mononym singer whose real name is Gordon Matthew Thomas <laughs> Sumner. <laughs> Everybody. Sing. Sing. I didn't know he was doing huh. voice for a show. Wow. That is. Yeah. He yeah. seems like a hard get in, in 1989. I think, I think there was a lot of like publicity. We had like, this is going to be the big thing. Like environmental mm. concerns were so yeah. huge. Like, man, there's so much money behind this. They were like, Oh, we're going to yeah, get yeah. this big name. You know, you, you got to do it because you know, saving the planet sting. Yeah. Got to voice this. Yeah. Well, and it turns out his voice on the show for Zarm is like, Kind of through like a vocoder, like it, it's like through some sort of auto tune filter, so he sounds like a kind of like a like metal box. Yeah. Uh, okay. Nice. Okay. Next one. Doctor Blight is a mad scientist who conducts unethical experiments, and voiced by this veteran rom com actress who played opposite of Tom Hanks for three times ah. in the nineteen nineties. Oh. Chris it can only be Meg Ryan. Yeah. Yes, Meg Ryan. Can mm. you name the three movies in the nineties? Oh, she gosh. starred opposite you, of Tom so Hanks. Sleepless in Seattle. Um, sure. things got mail. Ding, ding, and ding, ding, ding. Uh, is it? It's it's not Joe versus the volcano, is it? It is Joe versus. Yeah. The okay, all right. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Look at it. So Joe versus volcano, uh, nineteen ninety. Yeah. You got mail, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, nice wow. Look at yeah. that. The Ryan Hanks bookends. All right. <laughs> Last question here. Duke Nukem, not to be confused with the video game character. Duke Nukem is a yellow rock skin mutant representing misuse of nuclear power. <laughs> he is voiced by the late great actor, famously Al from the 90s sci-fi show Quantum Leap and from the 2000 sci-fi show Battlestar Galactica. Oh, what's his name? He recently just passed away. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Uh, Colin. That's uh, Dean Stockwell. My mom used to work uh, in in TV and film and uh, years ago, years ago, and she knew Dean Stockwell. And, and she always said that he was one of just the loveliest, just nicest humans that she ever met. Yeah. Which oh. kind of, it seems like after he passed, a lot of people were saying the same thing. Just a really, just a good, generous guy. So, yeah. 
Um, other people who also appeared, and you know, the famous people only appeared in the first season. <laughs> right, right, right. Yep, yep, like, yep, we got it. Yeah. Yep. Other stars include Tim Curry, mm. uh, John Ratzenberger, mm. you know, <laughs> Pixar's fave, uh, Ed Asner, uh, Martin Sheen, aka President Bartlett. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, yeah. So, so that is my story of the elements I grew up with and wow. loved. <laughs> I was back to Bruce Springsteen, Barbara Pyle. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. And we got one last segment. Dana, you promised... A weird one. A weird one. So it's weird because it's an experiment. Okay. This is okay. this is like, I thought of this and it made me laugh and I tried it out on my husband and he was like, I hate this, but he doesn't like trivia. <laughs> he, kind of, he kind of liked it. <laughs> so, but I was like, I want to try it. This one I'm calling, Oh, You Mean? And it's, <laughs> and so, so the word uh, elemental like I said it to it, I was like, what should I do? Elemental, elemental. And I like just started coming up with all sorts of nonsense phrases instead of elemental. And I was like, okay, this is the segment that we're going to do. Okay. So basically, <laughs> I'll describe a concept. And the answer is a phrase that sounds like the word elemental. So, yeah. So when you answer, you have to say, oh, you mean, and then say the phrase. Oh, okay. It's describing. Okay. It, okay. Okay. Mm. Cute, okay. Cute. All right. Okay. Got okay. It. All right. So maybe it will not work at all, but we'll we'll try it. We'll see okay. how this goes. I think this okay. is a good group of people. To, yeah. To yeah. I do too. So, yeah. I was like, you guys like trivia. Yeah. Or, yep. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Let's start. So I'm thinking of an elm that's tall as a Tolkien tree. <laughs> an oh. elm that is as tall as a Tolkien tree. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Chris. Oh, you mean an elm that's ent tall? Yeah, an <laughs> elm ent tall. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, the letters 12 through 15. Letters numbered 12 through 15. Karen. Oh, oh. Elemento. 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 <laughs> you gotta you gotta just relax the mind. You gotta you gotta yeah. you just gotta let it yeah. just kinda wash over you. Yep. All right, here you go. Mama said knock you out rapper's pant size. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean, oh you mean oh you mean L Mental? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elements tall. Yes, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of a minty cigarette from Southern California. Oh, oh, um, Chris. You mean an LA menthol? <laughs> That's good. That's so good. <laughs> Spanish she referred to French her. Colin. Oh, oh you mean. Eya Mentel? Yeah. 
Elemental. <laughs> okay. Someone from Oakland describing therapy. Uh, oh, 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 you mean elemental. Yeah. <laughs> People who, who are not, who don't live in Oakland, hella is, mm-hmm. is a word we, we say a lot, uh, describing something that is very, very, yes. yeah. very great quantity to, to a great extent. I was at the <laughs> Oakland Zoo. And I saw a mother holding her little, like, like little two-year-old, like up, so she can see some of the animals. And the the little baby is it, like points at like the lions, like, oh, big. And the mom is like, yes, it's hella big. <laughs> okay, the last one's not a phrase, but I loved it too much to not right. include it. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking of a cheese from Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> Everybody. You mean an Emmental? Oh, you mean... Emmental. Emmental. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, it was bad. But there you no, go. no, no, no. That was, that was very was good. good. That was, that was excellent. Good. Bring that it back. Uh, thank you. Whew. Dana, that's a good quiz structure. I could see that one uh, recurring here. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard though <laughs> to make. Hard. Yo, yeah, I was, yeah. I was just like, oh, these are real tortured. Like you have to work real hard to get there. But you know, but when we you got them. The yeah, yeah. I'm I'm surprised yeah. your non-trivia liking English as second language learning husband does not like this game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> filled with pop culture references. Ah, oh, all right. Boy. That was elemental. <laughs> That's our show. Can't end the show yet. We're still trapped in outer space. Don't you remember? Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Got me right. being here. Okay. I'm not going to recap it, but last time, if you listened to a previous episode of Where the Heck in Space is Carmen San Mateo, we got a clue from uh, Carmen's henchperson, Dee Dee Convict, that Carmen wanted to get her kicks on a dwarf planet that could support life, had a lot of pebbles, and was full of lucky charms. And we, adrift <laughs> in space, um, trying to figure out where to go next to we catch just didn't know. We didn't know. We had to ask you, the listeners. And, and fortunately, a bunch of you uh, were able to solve this puzzle and navigate us um, to such a place. And you figured out what Carmen was getting at with these clues. There's only a few dwarf planets out there in our solar system. And one of them is named Ceres after the Roman goddess of agriculture and grains, and that's where we get our word cereal from, <gasps> which is what Carmen, I guess, was referring to with all of her references to kicks, pebbles, life, and probably the giveaway Lucky Charms. So, <laughs> so we set a course for Ceres, boarding our fancy and ridiculous time interloper system, or <clears throat> Fardis. Um, we land on Ceres. Ceres, interesting, Ceres was the first asteroid ever discovered. Hmm. In oh. 1801. It's because it's it's big. It's big. Um, and at first uh people thought it was another planet. Um, but then we realized that yeah, it's big, but it's not big enough to clear out its own orbit, making it orbit, not a planet. Yep. But it is big enough for gravity to make it into a sphere, hence it is a dwarf. Oh. Planet. Mm. Right. So the shape is not like a, a weird oblong shape. Right, it's like, exactly. It's, it's like it's yep, yep, its own gravity makes it spherical. So we head over to Ceres. We get down onto the surface of Ceres, the dwarf planet, and we do see down there something strange. It's a very tall cabinet, like really like a whole set, like a whole big wall full of tall cabinets, like like 10 feet high 
um, twenty feet long, big, big set of like IKEA bookshelf cabinet sort of thing, with doors with doors on them, each with a, like a silver handle sort of a thing. So we don't know what's inside of these, and as we we walk up, we leave the Fardis and we walk out in our spacesuits, obviously, to the cabinet. We stretch our arms out to one of the handles to see what's inside. And just as we're about to open the cabinet, we hear the telltale sound of the Fardis starting up. Oh, no. We realize what has happened before we see it. We whirl around to see the Fardis about to depart. No! Without us. Now, in our earpieces, which are really good, they're really very fashionable. We look really cool in these spacesuits. We look really good. Um, okay. We we hear this. Ha! That was almost too easy. I've got your prize, I have got your ship, and I've got you right where I want you. Stranded. Now I can commit trivia crimes and no one can stop me. But before I go <laughs> and leave you here to rot, I believe I'll finally open this prize. Uh, let's see, it's a it's a pretty small envelope. I bet it's a gift card. Hope it's to Panera Bread. Uh, hmm, it's a card. <laughs> Something's written on it. Here we go. <clears throat> the real pub trivia prize was the friends we made along the... <laughs> oh, for the love of James Holtzhauer, are you kidding me? What a kick in the pants. Uh, well, looks like the only prize I'm getting is this fancy new time and space travel device. Welcome to your grave, suckers. San Mateo out. What are we no. gonna do? We turn back to the only other thing that's on the planet, those big cabinets. We open up one of the cabinets, grab the silver handle, open it up to find rows and rows and rows of shelves of breakfast cereal. Ha! Huh. Carmen was right. As we look in the cabinets, we realize they're filled with what appears to be every breakfast cereal in existence. <gasps> it's the beginning of boxed breakfast cereals. <laughs> it's overwhelming. There's everything in here. But as we look, there doesn't seem to be anything immediately that can help us get off this dwarf planet and return back to Earth. But just when it's seeming impossible, we see a tiny golden plaque on one of the cabinets with some words engraved into it. We read the plaque, and this is what it says. This cabinet was placed here to commemorate the following spaceflight missions. Atlantis 2, Apollo 6, Gemini 5, Discovery 9. And we're stuck. Mm. We're not getting any cell phone reception out here, so it's hard to look any of these things up or what. So once again, we must turn to you, listeners. Figure out what's going on here and get us off this cursed rock. I I, I checked the reserve oxygen. I think we have like a week. It's a, I mean, okay. it was probably a lot, but, you know, we overpacked. But something has got to be going on with this. I'll read it one more time. This cabinet was placed here to commemorate the following space flight missions. Atlantis 2... Apollo 6, Gemini 5, Discovery 9. So if you guys can figure out what it is we're supposed to do here with this giant cabinet full of every breakfast cereal and that plaque that might help us somehow, let us know. Okay. go snack on my favorite cereal, which is Golden Grahams. Okay. <laughs> While we wait. All right. Karen okay. goes and snacks on some Golden Grahams. Nothing happens. It's yes. very dry. There's no yep. milk. There's a cow floating near the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can squeeze some if you want to, but again, yeah. <laughs> it's a girl cow, yeah. All right, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a white cow. So it's not helpful. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. You know the drill. Help us solve this puzzle and find out what to do next. You can head on over to goodjobbrain.com and uh, follow the instructions there. And that's our show. 
Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about old element names, um, about Captain Planet, about L.A. Menthols. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on all podcast apps and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like Big Picture Science, Infamous America, and Subtext. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.